So good to see everybody. Um, good to see you all. Thanks for coming in attendance, coming and joining us. If you're here for the first time and you're wondering, okay, what are these folks about to do? We're all gathering together for the reading of the word. We have people from all around the country. We have people from all around the world who have come here simultaneously to spend time in the reading of the scripture. Um, and it's one of my passions. One of my passions is to see every believer read through the entire Bible. And so that's what we're doing. Every weekday morning, we're reading through scripture. We want people to read the entire Bible every weekday morning, a one one weekday morning at a time. Let's put it that way. Um, we spend about 20, 30 minutes, half a Netflix episode a day. We spend about half a Netflix episode a day in the reading of the scriptures. And in doing so, uh, I've just seen so much incredible transformation that has uh, transpired as a result of that. And so that's what we want to do. We want to just read through the Bible. That's my initial thing. That's what we call us the read and rant. Uh, we call it the read because we spend time in reading. And then afterwards, I spend some time in reflection as to what the Lord is leading me to um, in that particular day with through that particular scripture. And so... Um, and so, yeah, and so th this is why we're here. We're here to to engage in the word, um, and then I'll, you, you guys can endure my rant. That's why we call it a read and rant. <laughs> essentially why we call it the read and rant. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to read through Exodus 17. We've read through the New Testament now. So we've read through the entire New Testament, and now we're going to read through the entire Old Testament one weekday at a time. So if you ever miss a read and rant and you're wondering, okay, how do I, you know, how do I stay connected with this? Like, how do I, you know, what, 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 you know, I've missed reading rants. I, I want to catch the other ones. You can catch them on our Facebook group. Um, it's the font everywhere on Facebook. I'd invite you to to to, to join that um, that Facebook group where you'll be able to catch all the reading rants. I have them all um, there. I'm actually broadcasting live right now with my Facebook fan. I see Wynn is on. I see Avi is on. I see Alyssa is on. So good to see you guys. Um, Jason, thanks for coming through. Gloria, Good to see you as well. Uh, so today what we want to do is, is we want to uh, we want to commit this time to the reading of Scripture. And we're going to be prayerfully reading, asking three questions. OK, every time we read the Scripture, I want us to ask three questions. I want us to prayerfully in meditation, ask three questions. I want us to ask first, what is God revealing concerning himself? OK, um, what is God revealing concerning himself? The second question that, that I want us to ask is, what is God revealing concerning people? What is God revealing concerning people? And then the third question that I want to ask is, what is God revealing concerning you? Okay. What is God revealing concerning you? For me, as I'm reading this, I'm asking God, what are you revealing to me concerning me? And, um, and it's in that posture that I'm able then to uh, once I've postured my spirit in that way, once I've postured my soul that way, then I'm able to, um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, then I'm able to, um, to, to, to position myself and to receive what God has for me that day. And, and that's what I want to teach you. And I believe that that's that in and of itself is an incredibly powerful endeavor. It's an incredibly transformative activity. And so that's what we're going to get into. That's what we're going to engage in. So um, let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you brought us all here together. Lord, you brought us to uh, here to engage in your word. You brought us here to come together in communion. We have people from all around right now in this moment. We're coming together to read your word. Father, speak to us each in a different and profound way. Lord, speak to us, Lord God, that we may hear from you, Lord, that we would leave here uh, 
that we would leave here differently, that we wouldn't be the same people that we were when we came in. And we ask that in your name, we pray. Amen. Uh, Exodus 17. I will be reading. You guys can read along with me. We'll probably read for 20 minutes and then I'll spend another 30 minutes in the reflection, uh, the rant. This is this in verse one. Then all the congregation of Israel set out. So all sorry, let me let me repeat that. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of the, of, of Israel. Also take in your hand, your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on a rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Hmm. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that it will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Chapter 18. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for the children, sorry, and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where they had encamped at the mountain of God. 
Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed them. And they asked each other about their well-being and went to the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which, you, uh, in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before the Lord. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. <laughs> Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you, and you are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will go out to their places in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. In the third month, Exodus 19, in the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, 
And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the house of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall have a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Hmm. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which, which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And the Lord brought and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Hmm. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai at the top of the mount, on the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also, let the priests come near the Lord, consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. For you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Exodus 20. And the Lord spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall, <clears throat> sorry, but the Sabbath, uh, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your neighbor's. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the children saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that he may fear that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves the altar of the earth. You shall make for me. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings your sheep and your oxen, every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use a tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go on, uh, sorry, go up the steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed to it. I come back to that. Exodus 21. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go with him. If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. 
that his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall bring him to the door, or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master, who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to foreign people, since he has, since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. If a man acts in premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. And he who strikes his father or mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men contend with each other and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but is confirmed to his bed, is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with a staff, and he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. If a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished, notwithstanding if he remains alive a day or two. He shall not be punished, for he is his property. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. If men fight and hurt a woman with a child, that she gives birth prematurely and yet no harm follows, he shall not be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judgment determined. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of a male or servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. If an ox gives gores, sorry, if an ox, sorry, if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, it has been made known to its owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life. Whatever is imposed on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or female servant 
he shall give to their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. And if a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls on it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. If one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it, and the dead ox they also shall divide. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in times past, and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his own. Um, we're going to stop here. Yeah, we're going to stop here. Um, so I want to give a heads up. I can only see my Facebook fam. Good to see you, John, Nay, Monique, Avi. Um, I can only see my Facebook fan. I can't see anybody on TikTok again. This is happening to me again, but I'm assuming there's people on here. So I'm looking through, I, you know, I, I just, I don't see any viewers. I don't see anybody, but that's okay. Um, you guys can continue to message and con connect with each other, even though I can't see any of your messages or any of you guys. Um, but I do have a few things that uh, I want to share with you. If you are here for the first time, this is the read and rant. And what we do is we spend uh, 20, 30 minutes every morning reading scripture. And then we spend another 20, 30 minutes just allowing me to speak, to rant about what the Lord is speaking into. And the three questions that we're asking is, what is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning me? That is, that is this is the posture that we, we read, that we're reading the scripture in. And when you read in that posture, it does give you revelation because you're praying into those things. And the Holy Spirit gives you insight. The Holy Spirit gives you clarity. The Holy Spirit begins to allow you, uh, begins to do a work in you that allows you to see as he sees. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? So, so, and, that, that, and that's the posture that we take. And I believe that posture is more important than Bible study. Um, that posture is more important than knowing the word. It's more important than um, even your, your daily devotion. The reason why it's more important than your daily devotion is because often the daily devotion doesn't give you the full breath of what's being said. And so we lose a lot there. Um, this right here is the most important activity, the most important engagement. And so that's why we're reading through the whole Bible. That's the whole purpose of the reading. Right? It's for us to read through the entire Bible um, from beginning to end. We read through the whole New Testament. Now we're reading through the whole Old Testament. But now we're here. We're about to step into, um, and, and if you ever miss any of the reading rants, check out our Facebook group. It's the font everywhere on Facebook. Um, it's a Facebook group. You can catch the old ones. You can be community there. If you've got prayer requests, I want to encourage you to go there as well um, to share your prayer requests. There's a community there of people who are praying for each other, caring for each other. Um, it's just incredible what God's doing through that uh, community. But now if we go back for a minute, right, let's just back up for a second here. Um, we have been working through Genesis and I pray and I hope that that's been a blessing to you as you've as you. I, I hope you have a whole different perspective of Genesis. I really do. I hope your, your insight has changed about Genesis. Now we're in Exodus. And and in that same prayer that I have for you concerning Genesis, I also have for you concerning Exodus. 
Um, Exodus, you know, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all of them, all all the five Pentateuch books, uh, the five Pentateuch books of the Mosaic Law. I, I I'm praying, I'm really praying that you would see it differently. A lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of abuse, a lot of misappropriation. A lot of denominationalism, a lot of this camp versus that camp, a lot of all of that has come out of the improper perspective, the the, the disconnected perspective of the scripture. And because of that disconnected perspective, we're about to enter into a place in scripture that has left many divided. Okay. I'm just going to give that, a, give a, give you a heads up that has left many divided Christians divided believers. Divided. Now I know this is not a Bible study and maybe one day we'll see where the Lord leads and maybe I'll do a Bible study on this. I'm just going to give you just some cliff note perspectives that I want you thinking about as you're reading through the Bible. And as you read through scripture, particularly in this place in scripture, because and if I get a little passionate about this, it's because I've seen the pain and I've seen the hurt. I've seen the strife. I've seen the disagreements that have come out of these portions of scripture. But most people are reading it out of context. They're misreading the text. They're misreading it. Remember how I talked about in Genesis that what Genesis tells us about is it speaks about, yes, the fall of man, but the institution of a family, a bloodline that he's establishing, a family that he's establishing that is that is to bring that through this family, that righteousness, justice, God making all things right in the world, that it would be established through them. I talked about that. We saw this family overstay their welcome in Egypt. They became a nation. They went from being a family to becoming a nation. They became a nation inside of a nation. And as a result of being a nation inside of a nation, it left them under oppression. These people became a nation. This family became a nation. And then God calls a prophet to take them out of Egypt and to go to the promised land. We saw that. But we're beginning to see what kind of people these people are. These people, like all human beings, were impatient, were, Im- um, 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 they were pestilent, they were, um, you, you can see so much about these people, right? You can see how, how these people are. You can see how there's this, 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 this um, um, what's the word I want to use? Uh, uh, Oh man, it just left me. The word just left me. Um, it's too early in the morning. Who knows? But 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 you can see this in the people that they have this 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 sense of, you know, this sense of self sustaining, self survival, self thinking. Um, they have a way of of looking at the world from a very myopic perspective. They have an impatience about them. Um, they have so there's these things about these people, right? Um, that you would look at them and you would say, man, look at them for all indignant. Thank you, Sherry. Um, you helped me out there. Um, there's an indignation about them. 
uh, about these people. And, and, and we have a tendency to look at these people and to kind of stick their noses, our noses up at them. We have a way where we look at these people and we go look at them, look at them in their indignation. Do they, do they not see the things that God is doing? Like, do they not see how God is moving in their lives? Do they not see all the miracles that are happening? Do they not see all these things that God is doing? Like, look at them. God got them out of Egypt. God did all these things for them. And now all they do is complain. They've got righteous amnesia. They've got, they've got an amnesia towards God. Like they don't even know, like they don't even remember the things that God has done. But then it makes me think for a moment, looking at the children of Israel should cause pause for us as the children of God, because the children of Israel had an indignation and amnesia that we often represent as well. We're very much like them, where we tend to forget the things that God does in our lives. We're so about the here and now that we forget the miracles that God does to get us to where we are. We tend to just kind of pass it away and simply stay in the here and now and are anxious and concerned about the future because we tend to forget about the past. And this is just a word for on the side, because I know this is not um, what I have to say. I know I don't have a lot of time, so let me make sure I get to, to my point. But, but th this is just a word for you guys. This is a word for the family who's watching right now is often our anxiety about the future comes out of our amnesia about the past. Our anxiety about what is to come comes out of our amnesia about what has happened. We forget often where God has taken us from, which makes us now concerned about where God is taking us next. Often we'll take, we'll, we'll be so afraid and so concerned like, God, how am I going to get through the next day? God got you here. He got you here. If God got you this far, why would he leave you here? You sit there and you look and you go, man, I'm in a desert. I don't see any water. I don't see any food. I don't see this. I don't see that. I'm so worried. God would not pull you out of bondage, pull you out of a broken place to bring you here and to let you die here. God wouldn't do that. That is not like him. That is not his character. He would not draw you out of this situation to bring you into a situation that accelerates your death, that accelerates your demise. And yet often what happens is we get to here and then we start complaining and get overly concerned, not realizing some of the stuff that we're complaining about somebody else is praying to God for. I was tweeting this the other day that there's some things that people are complaining about that other people are praying for. Perspective. Perspective. The, I, I look at this and it's easy for us to stick up our noses on these people. It's easy for us to do that. But if we really, really observe the children of Israel, we should see a lot of us in it. Like we should see ourselves in this. Like, like we, we, yeah, that's us. That's me. That's me. God got me out of this really dark situation 
He got me out of this financial mess that I was in. I'm finally in a place of stability. And then all of a sudden today, something gets rattled and I get worried. I get worried. Why? Because I've forgotten what God has already done. He says, and forget not all his benefits. One thing that I, and, and, and I'll get to my point because I, I, that's not actually my point today um, from what I'm reading here as I'm reading through it. We, te- we have a tendency and a propensity to forget what God has done. And we wonder why we don't experience joy or why we don't experience peace or why we don't experience happiness. Um, gratitude is a learned behavior. I've said this before. Gratitude is a learned behavior. You, you, gratitude is not responsive. It's not reactive. Gratitude is proactive. Gratitude is consciously looking for things to be thankful for. And often what happens is we come to God with complaints, with needs, with needs, with needs, with wants, with needs. God, help me with this. God, help me with that. God, help me do this. God, how do I get out of this? God, I need this. God, I need that. But the scriptures tell us that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Like when we come before God, do we come complaining? Think about this. I think sometimes we forget that God's not this energy or this force. Like God's not this, 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 you know, the slot machine that we just walk up to and we just start do, 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 do. God, give me this. God, give me that. Help me do this. Help me do that. We, we don't, we, we forget the person of God. God is a person. I'm going to say something that's going to be very, very weird to some of you because you never thought of God this way. You can hurt God's feelings. Do you know that? <laughs> Wait, what? No, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's El Elyon. He's the possessor of the heavens and the earth. He's above all things. He's above all this. We'll get there. You'll read through Psalms. You'll read through scripture. You can offend God. You can offend him. You can hurt his feelings. If God is a person, imagine you had a spouse, a wife or a husband. And every day you come to them, all you come to them is stuff that stuff that you need. And why are you putting me through this? And why am I here? And I wonder why. Imagine you had somebody who came to you that way every day, all the time. Would that be a person that would bring you joy and satisfaction? That's just a side note. I'm sorry. That's just a side note. I think we have to rewire the way we look at our relationships with God because our relationships are often simply just asking God for things. Complaining to God about things. And yes, we can make our requests known to God, but God wants more than our requests. He wants all of us. In the same way we have a spouse or a husband or a wife, we want all of them. God wants all of us. 
Do we include God in all of our lives or do we only include him when we go through stuff? I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I'm sorry. It's just where the Lord is leading me to. But I got to I got I got to work this part because I believe that for many of us, our prayer lives are only strong when we're going through stuff. Our prayer lives are only strong when we're struggling. Our prayer lives are only strong when things aren't going well. But the moment life gets good again and everything's going the way you want it to go and everything's going right, then it's, yeah, I'm kind of busy. I don't really have time to pray right now. I don't have time to pray. Oh, but let you let, but lose your job. Let your marriage fall apart. I have no theology behind this, what I'm about to say next. I have theology behind everything else I just said. I have no exact theology behind what I'm about to say next, but I have this belief. I have this belief that sometimes God will institute some of the problems in our lives just to come back and talk to us. Because we won't talk to him unless we're going through stuff. Maybe there's a perpetual suffering in our lives because we don't know how to be in relationship with God unless we're suffering. That's a side note. But that's not my point. <laughs> um, when we look at the children of Israel, we read it. I want you to understand something. And here's where people get lost. This is where they get lost in the sauce in Exodus. So I want to make sure you have the proper posture when you're reading Exodus, when you're reading Leviticus, when you're reading Numbers, and when you're reading Deuteronomy. Okay? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We read the Mosaic Law. And there's a lot of us who are going to read it and we're going to go, okay. These are things that we need to be doing. Even people who aren't Christians will look at it and go, okay, these are things that we need to be doing. Hold on. All right. Um, okay. Ooh, Exodus 20. By the way, there was so much in Exodus 19. I wish I could talk about it. It's just, I just can't. I just don't have it. Um, so we're just going to, I'm just going to go with where I, I believe I, I need to instruct you because this is going to be critical as we read through the rest of Exodus and you're going to see it. And I'm going to continue to unpack this for you as we read through it. Okay. Um, Exodus 20, we begin to see a legal institution starting with the 10 commandments. So up to this point, we haven't read any laws. There hasn't been any kind of law up to this point. Okay. We see now the Ten Commandments, and everybody knows about the Ten Commandments. I mean, you don't got to be a Christian to know about the Ten Commandments, okay? Exodus 20 is, is a popular portion of Scripture, okay? Yeah, you know, you shall not have any other gods before me. Check. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or on earth beneath or that is under the water of the earth. Got it. Check. I'm doing great because, you know, these are the laws now. Um, verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him guiltless. Whoever takes his name in vain. OK, 
I don't fully know what that means because most people don't really know what that means. So, uh, I think he means like don't don't cuss, you know, like like don't say things like goddamn. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. So okay, don't cuss. All right, that's it. Don't cuss. Got it. All right. Um, I, I got it. Okay, good, good, good. Um, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Oh, that one's tough. Okay. So what day is the Sabbath? Is the Sabbath? Um, it says the seventh day. Wait, the seventh day is that Saturday? Because Saturday is the seventh day, not Sunday. But it's Saturday. But then again, Jesus rose on the from the grave on Sunday. So let's just create a new rule. Let's make the new rule um, that that now the day is is the holy day is Sunday, not Saturday, because you know Saturday was the day. Now Sunday. Okay. So so, or maybe it is just Saturday because you know we have church folks who will say that it, it's Saturday. Saturday is the holy day, and so we must keep and observe that day. Okay. So some of us disagree on that. Okay. Let's. We already have two groups there. You know, you got you got one group that believes that says Saturday must be the day we worship, and another group. All right. Okay. Cool. Um. All right. But 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 I guess for those who believe it's Saturday, it's okay. They're good. For those who believe it's Sunday, make sure you go to church on Sunday because that's what remembering the Sabbath is, is going to church on Sunday, right? Go to church on Sunday. Don't even watch football because, as you know, I mean, that's the Sabbath, you know? Um, um, uh, so, you know, um, so, yeah, seventh day. Cool. Okay, you shall. Okay, all right. Uh, and, then, and then chapter 12, uh, verse 12, honor your father and mother. Okay, I'm pretty respectful. I, 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 I honor them. All right. Okay. I'm good. Check. All right. You shall not murder. I ain't killed nobody yet. Um, um, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Check, check off of that. Um, you, you shall not commit adultery. Okay. Um, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good there. You know, or somebody else may read and be like, ah, ugh, um, I've made that mistake, but I'm asking God for forgiveness for that. Um, so right now it's checked. Uh, there was a time it wasn't checked, but now um, um, it, it's checked. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Okay, check. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna check that one. Okay, you shall not commit adultery. All right, got it. Um, you shall not steal. Ah, uh, but then again, when I was a kid, I used to steal candy at the store. I felt really bad about it. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? Uh, but I don't steal anymore, so I'm good now. I'm good now. Yeah. Yeah. So boom. Okay, cool. Check. Got it. Okay. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean lie on your neighbor? Which one? You know what? I I don't know if we all agree on what bear false witness is. So um, I'm going to go with what these people say. These people are saying bear false witness is 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 you know false testimony is is lying on your neighbor so i never do that i never lie on my neighbor i'm gonna go with what this group says because that group says something else and this group says something else and that group says something everybody's saying something about it but i like what that group says so i'm gonna go with what that group says so uh yeah i'm good there okay cool Perfect. Got it. Good. Check. Good. I feel good now. Um, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, or his female servant, or nor his ox, or his donkey. Okay. None of my neighbors has a donkey, so I'm good. Um, uh, ox. None of them have an ox, so I'm good. Anything that's my neighbor's, do I covet their home? Do I want to have what they have? Sometimes I do, 
but I'm doing pretty good now. I don't really care. I don't, I don't want to care about their stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, cool. Whew, Ten Commandments. It was tough, but I think I think I'm doing pretty good on that. Do you know how many Christians think this way? Do you know how many Christians think this way? <laughs> um, I'm going to say something that's going to, to, uh, maybe challenge and make a lot of you uncomfortable because this is what's going to happen throughout the rest, the rest of our reading of the Pentateuch of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We read it like it was meant for us. That's the mistake we make. We read this like it was a law written for Christians. <laughs> but it wasn't a law written for Christians. It was a law written for the Hebrews. I lose people here because this probably goes against a lot of what you've learned. <laughs> uh -huh. So if you stick with me and read through the entire Bible, you're going to see exactly what I'm saying. Okay. I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, throw anything at you. I'm not a false doctrine guy. I'm just going to give you Bible. I'm going to allude to this but I want you to read it this way and you're going to begin to see it. We need to read this outside of ourselves. This is a letter. <laughs> when we read it, we see Exodus and we see honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You need to first begin with reading this as a law that God gave to the children of Israel. Okay. We need to start there. This is a law that God gave to the children of Israel. Shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make yourself any carved images. You shall not take the name of the Lord. So you read all this. This wasn't the set of rules for you as a Christian. <laughs> and this is not the set of rules in how to be a Christian. This is for the children of Israel. And the unfortunate reality of this text is that these children are given the law, but they have no relationship with God. They have the promise of God, 
But notice that the law didn't bring them to God. How do we know this? Because the next part of Exodus 20, people always miss this, is they were given the law and then they feared the presence of God. In the next part of the scripture, the people were afraid of God's presence. They had the law, but they did not have God. I know I can't see any comments. I know I can't see none of y'all because my phone is busted. I don't know what's going on. My TikTok is busted, so I don't get to see any of that. But notice the law did not bring them to relationship with God. Stay here, family. Stay, please stay here. The law did not bring them in relationship with God. The law was never meant to, and the law could not do what God wanted it to do, which is that he would have a relationship with his people. The law did not bring them into relationship with God. That means the Ten Commandments were not designed to draw them to God and to be in the presence of God. Why? Because God gave them the Ten Commandments and then God told them stay away. God gave them the Ten Commandments and they feared the presence of God. Stay with me, family. (laughs) Stay with me, family. We read the law. Like these are the things. This is how it's often taught to us, fam. That we read the law in the Old Testament and we read it as if these are the things that we need to do in order to be received by God. But the scriptures show us very clearly that when they received the law, they didn't receive God. So the law was never the mechanism for which these people would be in relationship with God. The law never worked then to be in relationship with God, and the law is not working now for us to be in relationship with God. So when Christians bring up the Ten Commandments and say, yeah, I'm following these things well, well, congratulations, you can follow these things and not be in a relationship with God. And yet following these things and not knowing God, which one is, which one is, which one is greater? Not knowing God is greater because salvation is based off of relationship, not off of your compliance to the law. I'm just breaking it down. I'm going to make some people really uncomfortable here because you've been taught for a long time. Follow the Ten Commandments like every good Christian should. And what I'm telling you today is the Ten Commandments was not meant for you. They weren't for you. (laughs) They were for the children of Israel. I probably lost a whole bunch of people on TikTok. <laughs> Hopefully you guys stay, stay with me. Okay. Stay with me. I promise you it's going to get better. It's going to get better. But God created distance with them, with the law. The law was actually the mechanism by which God actually created distance from his people. Whew, I could I could go all day on this on what the law does. The law separates us from God. The law makes us distant from God. The law draws us away from God. That's what the law does. 
oh, but we like to throw the law on people. How well are you following the law? Which part of the law do you follow? Are you following this part? Are you following that part? Are you following this part? And this is going to wreck some people today is none of this matters how you interpret it. Not for what most people think it matters for. It matters for other reasons, but not for the th- reasons that you think it matters for. It does not matter for your compliance. This law was written not for you. It was written for the children of Israel. I find family that when I've said this, I've, I've, I've said this to people and, and people get really uncomfortable because I know, like, but the Bible says that we are, to, you know, that we shall not commit. Yeah, the Bible says that, but the Bible does not say that to you. The Bible said it to them. And we're reading, we're reading the children of Israel receiving the Ten Commandments. And what throws a lot of people off is everybody gets off the rails then because they go, well, if the Ten Commandments isn't for me, then what am I supposed to do to be a good Christian? So what are you saying? You're saying I can do all these things? What, what, what can I do? What can I not do? What am I supposed to do? What, what am I not supposed? What, what, what's right and what's wrong? I need somebody to tell me because this pastor over here telling me that this law doesn't apply to me. So give me what applies because I need to know what are the things I need to be doing to be a good Christian. You're asking the wrong questions. People who ask, what do I need to do in order to be a good Christian? It's analogous to a husband saying to his wife, what are the things? Give me the things to check off, please. I just need to check off those things. I'm not coming home today. Just tell me all the things I need to do to be a good husband. Well, I need to pay the bills. Okay, I'll, I'll take care of that. Uh, what else do I need to do? Take the trash out? Okay, I can take care. Okay, I'll take the trash out. Um, what else do I need to do? Um, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you want me to... Okay, oh, oh, you want me to fix the roof? Okay, I, I, I can go do that. Um, what, are, what are some other things that husband is supposed to be doing? Uh, oh, don't cheat? Okay, I won't cheat. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to cheat on you with somebody else. Um, what else? What else? What, what else do I need? So, you imagine how your spouse would feel if you said, give me the things to check off so I know that I'm doing my job. But I'm not coming home, though. I just need to know I'm being a good husband. Well, I, I, I want you to be be home and to be present with me. Okay, I'm here. Okay, but I, I need, I want you here. No, 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 I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. So just, what are some things I got to check off? Let me just check it off. Let me just check it off. No, no. I, <laughs> imagine that many of us, that's how we treat God. We want the rules so that we can check them off and go about our lives never really knowing God and never really having a relationship with Him, just feeling really good about being a Christian. Oh, look at me being a good Christian and not breaking the Ten Commandments. So I came to declare to you today, Ten Commandments do not apply to you.
And at the moment you realize that they do not apply, then you can actually do the hard stuff, the real stuff. Because the real stuff isn't whether you checked off the things at home. The real stuff is, did you really pour yourself and give yourself to your spouse? Are you really present with them? Are you doing life with them? Do you really love them? Do you see these are the real things that many Christians do not know or have experienced. And yet they think if they just follow all the laws, they'll be okay. When we read through the Pentateuch, we're going to be reading through 613 laws. 613 laws. And out of the 613 laws, there are going to be a good 400 of them that sound ridiculous, straight up, in the Bible, that sound ridiculous to us today, that every one of us is breaking. So the question that I have for you, I'm ranting. Yes, I know I'm ranting now. So the question I have for you then is, which one do you choose to break and which one do you don't? And if you choose which ones are worthy of breaking and which ones are not, aren't you just simply playing God? Hmm. We get all wound up like the Ten Commandments. That's the canon of the law. But what about the other 603? What about those? Well, those, those don't matter so much. Why? Why don't, why don't those matter? Well, no, those don't, those don't matter because whatever reason we make up our own reasons. We pick and choose which laws we like and don't like. So guess what we're doing? We're actually sinning by breaking the law, by choosing which laws to follow. Every one of us. Oh, this is going to get real tough today. Oh, man. I, 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 I'm sorry, y'all. I just want to make sure I completely listen. I hope I kick you completely off the track. Because we're going to be reading through the rest of this of this Pentateuch. And we're going to be reading these laws. And for some of us, we're going to be like, dang, man, I got to do this, too. And I got to do that, too. And I got to do this. Man, the Bible, man, look at all these rules. This stuff is crazy, man. I gotta follow all this stuff, man. I can tell you, you don't have to follow any. You, the law is not for you. And for some of us right now, I'm kicking you completely off the rails. I'm kicking you completely off the rails because there's some stuff you're gonna read. If you do one and you don't do any other and you don't do the others, the Bible says that you have committed a sin to all of it. And I promise you. Right now, in this, I don't care. I, you could be Seventh Day Adventist, and you're talking about the Sabbath because you know Sabbath is a god for 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 some for some denominations. I'm sorry, I'm ranting now. Ooh, this is bad. I didn't I didn't I didn't get my coffee today. But there's some that have turned the Sabbath into a god, not really realizing that God is the god of the Sabbath. So we have all these laws that we're throwing out. You need to be doing this, and you be doing that, and you gotta be doing this and doing this to be a real Christian. And to be a good Christian. All right. I'm about to show you something right now. There's not one person in this chat. Now, one person on TikTok. And there's not one person on Facebook. There's not one person who's going to be listening to this and watching this. Not one person that hasn't broken half these laws and isn't breaking them right now. 
Let me say that one more time. There's not a single person right now who isn't breaking half of God's laws in the Old Testament. Not a single one of you. If you're watching this right now and you're hearing this right now, when we read through this, you're going to realize I'm breaking almost all of these daily. So am I saved? Am I a Christian? No, 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 no. We, we, we like the laws that we like. You know, the adultery one, that's a good one. Don't commit adultery. That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. So you know all the gods? Yeah, that's that's definitely that's whew, that that goes that's high on my on our list. That we should definitely do that one. Yeah. Um, um cover your neighbor. Ooh, that sounds bad. Coveting your neighbor? That just don't sound good. Ooh. Yeah, that one, yeah, put that in there. That's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, ooh, that one's good. Mixed fabric cloth? I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, it's just cloth. Mixed fabric. It's the big deal. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. Here's how I know I'm sitting right now, by the way. Um, according to the Bible, this shirt that is 70% cotton is a sin. Because I cannot have my fabrics mixed. Woven or mixed. So, yeah. Um, according to the Mosaic Law, I'm sinning right now. And I've come to the understanding that I can't pick and choose which ones to keep. I don't get to choose which ones I keep. I know I'm 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 being facetious, JJ. I'm being facetious. This is gonna make some people comfortable, uncomfortable. But if the law was the law, if we have to keep the if the Ten Commandments were meant to be kept, then by golly, Exodus 21 should make everybody uncomfortable. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. And if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself if he comes in married. And, and we, 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 we go into this. Now, um, I just want to give a side note because some people read this and some people... Um, have said this before, and I know I've, I've spoken on this probably uh, before because it, it comes up all the time. Um, one of the misunderstandings of the Bible, particularly for people who don't read it um, and who have something to say about it, is they'll tell you that the Bible contains slavery. I said the Bible condones slavery. No, when you misread the Bible, it condones slavery. When you misread the law, it condones slavery. But there's nowhere in the scriptures that condones slavery. And people will sometimes run to this chapter. But in this chapter, look, look what it says. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before him. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. 
And the seventh, he shall go free and pay nothing. And if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall. And so we read this and we do not understand the economics of that time. We don't understand the dynamics of that time. Okay. Slavery as we've known it in the United States. And we see it in other parts of the world. We see it happening actually in other parts of the world. People don't know this, but slavery is becoming, uh, there's a proliferation right now of slavery all around the world. Okay. Um, slavery has not ended. It's actually growing all around the world. Slavery has always existed, ex except that now it's existed for the sake of oppression. Whereas then it was, ex it existed because of personal economics. And we'll, we'll talk about that in another uh, instance, in another conversation. That's not what I'm here for. And I'm actually over time right now. But there are things in that scripture that we read that would make us uncomfortable. We read about the law concerning violence and we see uh, the animal control laws. And, and, and so we read Exodus 20, we read Exodus 21, and we're beginning to see all these laws being instituted. I want you, as you read the next few chapters with me, I want you to step away. Step out of it. Okay, that's, one, that's my prayer for you right now. Step out of it. Step out of the law for you and read the law as it pertains for the children of Israel. Okay? Step out and don't read it for yourself in the sense of, I'm reading this as these are the rules that God has set for me. Don't do that. Step back and read it as a law that God is writing for the children of Israel. You say, well, why? Because then you're going to get the revelation and the purpose of the law and why the law actually exists and existed. I know this is a prelude and a preview, but I'll speak on this since we're we're kind of winding down on Exodus right now. And we're about to go into um, Leviticus. I used to say this all the time when I used to do Bible studies. I used to tell uh, people that Leviticus is a, I hate that book. I, I would teach it, but I said it's the, it's my most hated book. I hate that book. I just hate it because of what it is. And I became prideful when I read Leviticus, knowing that the law didn't apply. I became very prideful and I realized I missed it. And I remember it was maybe like two years ago, two or three years ago, that I was reading through Leviticus just to read through it. And I just hated that I did. But the Lord was just calling me to read through Leviticus again. I was like, why am I going to read this law? This, oh, my gosh. Okay, fine, God, I'll read it. And God began to reveal to me his love and his grace, his power and his mercy through that letter. And I, and I actually began to weep. I began to weep reading Leviticus. For the first time I saw God's heart. I was too busy looking at it as not for me. And for a long time I read that it was for me. I was very confused. And God was saying, don't read it in that way. Just step out of it. Okay, that's my advice. 
the reading we're about to do as we continue on step out of it oh it's going to change your life step out of it don't read it like this applies to me and i need to be doing these things but also don't read it as is, as in it doesn't apply and so i don't need to do any of these things so this is a waste of my time don't read it that way either step out read it as a letter that god is writing a law that he's writing to the children of israel just like that because that's what it is read it that way and when you begin to read it that way then you're going to see god's order his holiness his righteousness and the powerful work of grace that he's doing in all of our lives I'm going to call this one Lawbreaker. I'm putting this on the podcast as well. Um, but you can find this read and rant um, um, on Facebook as well, because I'll post it there. Let's close in prayer. Let's close in prayer and ask the Lord to lead us that he may see, that we may see his heart in the next coming days as we get into Leviticus, that we would see his heart as we read his law. Father, I thank you. Lord, as we come before you today, Lord, I pray that you would guide us, Lord. Lord, lead us to the path of righteousness. Lord, allow us to see you in your word. Reveal to us your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Father, reveal your heart to us, Lord. As we see your law that is being written, Lord, to your children, but guide us, Lord. But lead us, Lord, that we may find clarity by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.